You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I am your host, Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Jennifer Tribe. Jennifer is Director of Content at Synchro, which is a company that makes software for IT service businesses. Jennifer, it's so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So one reason that I'm so glad you're our guest today is because we get to talk about one of my very favorite topics, which is B2B podcasting, because you guys just launched a brand new podcast. It's called Work Plus Flow for MSPs. And in a minute, you're going to tell us what it's what it's all about. But first of all, just congratulations on launching the new, the new show. That's really awesome. Thank you. It literally launched this morning a couple of hours ago, so we're super excited. Yeah, as as you should be. So, well, let's just get right into it. Tell us about the podcast. What's it about? So Workflow for MSPs is for IT service business owners, much like our software. And IT service business owners, we call them MSPs, managed service providers. They're under a lot of stress. It's a very stressful kind of business to run. So our podcast is focused on giving them information that will help them be successful and profitable with less stress. So talking about how they can find balance in the things that they're doing. We describe it as hitting their success goals without hitting the wall. Okay, really cool. And you're the host of the show, right? I am the host and the producer as well. Okay, excellent. So, you know, when when we work with clients that are starting a podcast for the first time, one of the first things we do is go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we look and see what other podcasts are already out there in this industry. So, and I assume that you did, you know, something kind of similar. So, so when you did that, what did you see and how did that help you plan your, your podcast so that it would differentiate and stand out? So to be fair, in 2017, I started a podcast for MSPs at a different company and mm. I produced and hosted that podcast for three years. And so I had done a bunch of industry research at that time. I did it again when I was starting workflow for MSPs, but I had a good sense of what was in the industry already. So back when I started the first podcast five-ish years ago, there were a fair number of vendors in our space who are doing branded podcasts. By now, a lot of those have sort of petered out. And what I found was there are a lot of podcasts for the MSP industry, but a lot of them are hosted by MSPs or by MSP consultants. And so there is not a lot of vendor podcasts. And I also took what was happening with the existing podcasts and sort of looked at how could we be different? What could we talk about that was different? What format could we use mm -hmm. that was different? Okay. And so, and, and what did you come up with? So in terms of the format or tone of voice or like your point of view, where did you settle for your podcast? Like, okay, this is how we're going to produce ours so that, you know, to make it the best that it could be. Yeah. So I landed on doing an interview show a narrative interview show though with editing and something that would run about 20 minutes per episode. So I wanted it to be valuable, but in a short format because MSPs are very busy and the editing and the narrative format is not something that you see in this industry. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted it to be, look, we're going to package this in the most valuable, tightest, cleanest way that we can because we value your time and we just want to get you the best information in this little package. And when, okay, so when you say narrative, like a narrative format, what does that mean? 
So it means I'm taking the interview and not only editing things out like, oh, this question didn't go where I thought it would go. I'm just going to drop that out. I'm also rearranging the flow. So if we touched on a topic at minute five and picked it up again at minute 20, I might put them together so that it flows a bit better. And I also don't necessarily just run my questions the way I ask them. I might go back and rephrase, like re-ask my question to set up an answer in a different way or to make a commentary on what was just said or what's about to be said. Okay. Got it. So Wow. Right. So you're really doing some kind of next level editing, rearranging the composition to give it a more, I guess what you call like a more narrative flow or something like that. Mm -hmm. I I find it similar to the way you would edit a blog post, right? Like if you Mm. had, you know, this content and you would really shape it and edit it and fine tune it to to Mm -hmm. give you the best thread through the article. It's the same thing that I'm trying to do with the podcast. Mm -hmm. And why are you doing that? Because I think, well, first of all, like I said, it's going to help us stand out. I think a lot of the podcasts in our space are just free flowing. Let's talk for an hour, not worry about editing and, and put it up. So I wanted to do something that was more focused and that sort of helped call out that thread that I was trying to pull through every episode. Cause I think mm-hmm. it, it offers more value for the listener. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, especially, you know, when you're trying to stand out and do something with like a distinct point of view, with like your unique voice, that doesn't just happen on its own. You have to kind of make it happen. And in the case of podcasts, I think that means doing a certain kind of pre-recording preparation and then in the, in the post work to edit it pretty much in the way that you're talking about to really arrange it in that particular way. So sounds like a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, my comfort level with editing has evolved in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was very nervous about taking things out. I thought, you know, maybe this wasn't being true to the interview. But over over the last five years, I've really come to learn that the listener wants the best story and the most valuable information. They're not they don't necessarily care about how the interview flowed for you. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm now a lot more comfortable in making edits that I think will serve the content. Yeah, for sure. Tell us a little bit about the technical side of things, sort of what kind of equipment you're using, what kind of software you're using. Yeah, I'm using Rode Podcaster Pro Mic and we use Riverside. All of my interviews are done remotely. So we use Riverside for recording. We record both audio and video, although the podcast itself is audio only. And then we Mm -hmm. use the video clips as teaser clips on social. And then I send, I take each recording and I upload it to a transcription software called Trint. That's an AI transcription and it gives me a full transcript of the, of the episode. And then I mark that up for my editing to send to my editor. So I'm, I don't, you know, say to my editor, just make this tight. I have very Mm. specific instructions about, I want this here. I want to take this out. Please take out this, you know, right. And all of that stuff. And then I send that off to an editing company who does all of that stuff for us and does the audio leveling and adds the music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now you're, you're the host of the, po- oh no, this is what I wanted to ask. Okay. So, you know, a lot of podcasters might use Zoom to record their calls. You're using Riverside FM. Good for you. That's what we use too. Although right now we're using one called Iris to record this interview. It's kind of our, our backup to Riverside. But for the sake of our listeners who might not be familiar with all those apps, why are you using Riverside and not, say, Zoom? 
Riverside is a higher quality. So Zoom by default to save file space will record at a lower quality. And there is, I believe there is a way to make Zoom record on separate tracks, but Riverside records on separate tracks by default. So you yeah. and everyone you're interviewing are on their own audio track and their own video track, which gives you much more flexibility when you're doing editing. Yeah, right. hundred percent. And, and I, and I believe also part of it is that Riverside and the one that we're using now, IRS, they're, they're recording locally. So I'm being yes. recorded on my device. You're being recorded on your device as opposed to being recorded in the cloud. And yes, w- which I believe is what zoom does by default. And that's always going to be of a lower quality than being recorded locally. Yes, that's a good point. That's the other thing that I do like is it's recorded locally, which means that you're also not having to worry about internet lag, right? So because right, yeah. I'm, it's not recording my lagged version of you coming across the internet. It's coming directly from your computer. Yeah, right. Indeed. And so now how are you, I know that you just launched the, the podcast literally today, so it'll take a little while for you to start getting data and, and so on, but but you've you've been doing this stuff for a while. So how do you measure success? Like, what are you looking for when you look at the data? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're looking at downloads because that's one of the metrics that is easily accessible. We're also looking at listen through rates. So mm-hmm. how much of the episode are people listening to? So we'll start to get that data for this new podcast over time. I do look a little bit at where our listeners are coming from. So, you know, what countries are they in? And then anecdotally, like if we're using this as a marketing tool, it's very hard to draw a direct data line between, oh, someone listened to this podcast and then became a customer. But we hear a lot of that feedback anecdotally, often from the sales team. So the previous podcast that I started for MSPs was called Frankly MSP for a company called Avic. And we would frequently hear from the sales team. They would give us feedback like, This prospect said, I love your podcast. It's Mm. so valuable. I just had to check you guys out. Or thank you so much for the podcast. Show me what you can do. So we knew that it was resonating with people, that it Mm -hmm. was creating brand awareness and goodwill that was feeding into the sales process. Yeah, that's that's a great example, I, I think. And to me, that means that the download numbers are an important data point but they're not the only way to measure ROI, right? As you mentioned, there's the anecdotal evidence of people hearing it and liking it. There's the, in our experience, you know, we have clients that focus mainly on how they can repurpose the podcast into other kinds of content. And that's where they derive most. That's what they care most about. We have other clients that really focus mostly on the guests they bring on, the conversations they get to have and the people they get to know. You know, so it's it, it's it's never just one thing, I think, is the point when you're looking at, well, how, you know, what's going to be the return on this investment? And one piece of podcasting that I think currently is largely overlooked by branded podcasts is subscription podcasting. So before I was at Synchro, I was at a company called Supercast. It is a podcast subscription platform. And so I saw the power of building a subscription audience. So basically, people can subscribe to your premium podcast and you get their names, you get their email addresses, 
you can mm. see specifically which people are consuming which episodes and you have a channel for communicating with them directly because you can email them from the platform. Yeah. So when we look at branded podcasts, often you will have a whole audience of down like listeners and you have no idea who they are because right. that data is not readily available from your traditional hosting podcast podcast hosting platform. But with subscription podcasting, you can get that information. And so I think there's an opportunity for branded mm. podcasts to offer free subscriptions. So look, you know, as the company will cover the cost of this subscription with the platform, and we're going to give you some extra perks to entice you into this little universe. But now we know who you are and we can communicate with you. So that's not something that we're doing at Synchro yet, but it's something mm. that I'm really interested in trying. That is really interesting. And and just to be clear for, for our listeners, so like... You know, most any podcast, you're you're technically subscribing to it, right? You can click subscribe on Apple or whatever. And but as you just said, the people producing the podcast, that doesn't give them any information other than that, the raw numbers of people who are doing that. Right. So what you're describing now for kind of the premium version of that, it's my understanding that you the way that works is through certain platforms where you would host your podcast that enable that kind of that kind of subscription where anyone who's kind of willing to do that is to give you their name and their email and all that stuff. And, and I'm assuming in exchange for that, they get maybe special access to the podcast or extra material, extra content, stuff like that to, to kind of make it like more than just subscribing to any other podcast. Right. Yeah, that's right. They might get unedited interviews, like the raw interviews, or they might right, get yeah. an AMA with the guest or, you know, there's early access to episodes. There's, you know, dozens of things that you can offer. And in fact, at Supercast, one of the perks that we offered was audio versions of all of our written material. So, you know, our blog posts, we would literally just read our blog posts in, mm. into, into an audio file. So if you're an audio learner or you want to listen on the go, you don't have time to read, you could just grab all of our written content in an audio format. So that's another nice perk. Mm -hmm, indeed. Now, of course, a big part of the su having success with podcasting is promoting it. And so it sounds like you've had some pretty good success with podcasting previously, and you're, I'm sure you're going to have success with this newly launched one. What's your take on promotion? Like, how do you go about that strategically? So I think branded podcasts have a tremendous advantage over independent podcasts in terms of being able to market themselves because they're coming from a company that has an existing marketing engine, right? You have other established channels for talking to your audience. You probably already have a newsletter. You probably already have a blog. So using those existing channels to yeah. cross promote your podcast is the way to go. And then, and then that's what we did at Avic was we cross promoted in our newsletter events, live events were also very good for us. So mm. we had postcards that we would hand out at live events to say, Hey, here's our podcast, have a listen. So I think leveraging that marketing engine, just like you would to promote any other piece of content that you have is, mm -hmm. is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So now I want to ask kind of like a, more of like a bigger background question, which is, why do podcasting in the first place? You're clearly an advocate. You've been doing this for a while. You've had success. But, you know, a lot of the marketers I talk to, and I kind of sense just out in the B2B world generally that 
podcasting is still primarily seen as a nice to have, but not a need to have. You know, first we got to get our other stuff in, you know, all our other ducks in a row that we need the blog to be good. We need the videos all. And then maybe we could try a podcast that that might be kind of fun. You know what I mean? Personally, I see podcasting as, as more of a need to have, but what's your take on this? You know, why, where does the value lie in, in podcasting? Why should B2B brands be doing this? I think podcasting has three big advantages. One is the intimacy of it. So, you know, people put earbuds in their ears. You are literally a voice inside their head. Like there's no other medium that gives that intimacy. And studies have shown that people connect with people that they're listening to much more than they connect with, you know, an author that they read or even mm. video, surprisingly. Mm. So people feel like you can build this more human and personable relationship with your audience than you can through other formats. Number two, um, it's a tuck in media. So where, you know, reading something, you have to have the content in front of you video, you have to have a screen in front of you. Audio, you can consume wherever and whenever you want. You can listen while you're walking the dog, while you're folding laundry, like whatever you want to do. So it's very convenient and enables you to reach people in places and at times when you might not be able to reach them in any other way. Mm -hmm. And third is that I still think it's fairly unusual in terms of, you know, being a component of a marketing program. So it's not something that they're hearing from a lot of other vendors that they may be being marketed to. So th those are the reasons why I you know, really love audio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all good reasons. You know, what you mentioned about, about video, I think that's, that kind of seems surprising, right? Or counterintuitive. You might assume that, well, being able to see the person who's talking would foster an even greater you know, emotional connection. But you're saying like, well, actually, you know, according to at least some data, right, it's, it's just listening kind of provides a more intimate experience. I mean, I guess I sort of wonder why that would be. Yeah, part of it may be that there is no visual component. So it just seems like the rest of the world falls away. And it's just, you know, this voice or voices in your head that you're listening to. Some of it may also have to do with the format of podcasts. So often a podcast host will share some things about themselves as they're, you know, presenting the content in a way that a vlogger might not necessarily, or a corporate vlogger, or, you know, like how-to video might not present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, I, video can be very engaging depending on, you know, what it is. When it comes to podcasting, personally, I'm a listener, not so much a watcher, you know? And most podcasts that I have kind of checked out to watch in video format, if it's, if it's just two people talking and that's it, I'm always kind of like, well, what, there's not a lot to see. So I might watch it for a little bit, but then my, I'll, my attention will shift and I'll end up just listening to it anyway while doing other things, you know? But I do agree with, you know, with what you said earlier that you should record video anyhow, even if you're not going to produce a full video episode, because it's really good for promoting right on social media and elsewhere. So, so I, I think there's a strong case to be made for recording and producing video content for a podcast, even if you may not necessarily produce the whole episode that way. Absolutely. And then at least you've got it and you can do things with it. 
Yeah. What have you learned about podcasting and, and being a podcast producer over the years that you didn't know when you were first starting? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's so much. Um, I guess I guess one thing was that surprised me, and I don't know why it did, was how much fun it is to produce hmm. and, and how much I enjoy crafting content in this format for the audience. I'm always like, have the audience in my mind as I'm preparing these things. And it's just, it's very satisfying. Um, but also just how powerful audio can be. Like, I don't mm. think I knew all of those things about it being such an intimate medium when I started, but it's become clear over time that it does affect people in a different way. I mean, you know, the frankly MSP podcast, we, eventually spun that into a live event. And I had a lot of people coming up to me at the event and talking to me about how they listen to the podcast. And, and that's always just such a cool thing, right? That they don't, I don't necessarily think you get that level of engagement with a blog, no matter how much people read your blog. So it's just, it's been fun. Yeah, really two great points. And I've experienced this too, what you said about it being fun. Also true. I've been doing podcasting for years. Still love it. Just the fun of putting together a podcast. And, you know, the, the folks we work with, I think they find this too, that it's, there's, there's an element of fun about it. Cause it's like, you have your own show, you know, and you can do all kinds of things with it. And as opposed to say, writing a blog post, which at least in my experience, it's kind of a chore. You know, I wouldn't say that I'm having fun when I'm doing that. It can be as satisfying when you're done and all that, but yeah, so I'm totally on board. The process of podcasting is actually fun and uh, yeah. And getting that feedback, right? Hey, I love your podcast. No one's ever going to say that about your blog probably, but they're probably saying it be, to you because you are the voice of the podcast, right? It's like they're meeting the the host. Like that's kind of cool. You know, that's, that's in something you just don't get with a blog or a white paper and that kind of thing. It's true. Yeah. And then and that goes back to that intimacy and that human voice and face on a brand, yeah. right? So they're connecting not just with the brand, but with a person who's associated with the brand. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up here a little bit, what's your main takeaway, your advice for, you know, marketers, marketing teams that are maybe considering podcasting, but they're not sure if it's worth it or if they're ready to dive into it. What's your advice? You know, I think there's a lot of different things that you can do with audio, right? Like I mentioned, recording blog posts. It doesn't have to be this big podcast production show. It certainly can be, but it podcasting can become like one of your content pillars. If if your company is very much behind the content marketing idea and offering value in a way that's not always directly promotional then podcasting, I think, is definitely something you should explore. If your company struggles with putting out content that isn't non-promotional, so, you know, you have executives who are, like, trying to push thinly veiled brochures all the time, podcasting's probably not going to work for you because it definitely can't be, like, the company ABC show, and today we're going to talk about yeah. this product, and tomorrow we're going to talk, you know, it, it can't be all about you. But as a content marketing tool, it works phenomenally well. Fantastic. Well, that is a great final thought. And uh, you know, just one more question. How can people connect with you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Tribe. 
slash Jennifer Tribe, I think is my, my LinkedIn handle. And that's where you can find me. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes, make it easy for, uh, for our listeners. So, well, Jennifer, thank you so much. Again, like this is one of my favorite topics and uh, you have some really great insights into podcasting. So really thanks for sharing them. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I also love talking about podcasting, so it's fun. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.